When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The Athletic. It's Straight Outta Cobham, a show about Chelsea from The Athletic. On this episode, frustration as the Blues get stuck on toffees, Chelsea women crash out of the Champions League, and I call the leader of the pack to talk Wolves. Available for free wherever you get your podcasts and ad-free on The Athletic, this is Straight Outta Cobham. Hey listener, I hope you're safe and well. It's me, Matt, joined by The Athletic's Liam Toomey. Morning, Liam. Hello. Uh, later, we'll be joined by The Athletic's Wolves correspondent, Tim Spears, and hear from Flo Lloyd-Hughes on the women's team's shocking night. First, though, we're recording hours after Chelsea versus Everton at Stamford Bridge, and we'll discuss that game next. Need to make work. I'm trying to get Michael Keane or somebody like that on the end of it, and they've got their equaliser. It's young Branthwaite, isn't it, who's got there and got a toe to it. What a story that is. Give away another lead and uh, uh, if we see the effort that we bring in in a match like this, the effort that we need to score one goal and uh, the effort the opponent needs to score an equaliser, uh, it's hard to swallow. Chelsea won, Everton won the Blues, held by a seriously depleted Everton side, meaning they're now four points behind leaders Manchester City and three behind second-placed Liverpool. Uh, Before we get to the game, it was revealed on Thursday that four Chelsea players had tested positive for COVID, they being Ben Chilwell, Romelu Lukaku, Callum Hudson-Odoi and Timo Werner, with Kai Havertz also ill, but not confirmed as having returned a positive test as we record. Uh, Liam, I spoke to Thomas Tuchel after the game and, and he was keen not to use this as an excuse. He said they'd known for, for long enough for it not to be. Do you think in an ideal world they would have liked this game to have been called off? Possibly, but life goes on, doesn't it? Just because you've only got three people available doesn't mean that you don't record a, a Chelsea podcast recapping the game. <laughs> you know, it, you, you have to go with what you've got. And if Simon decides that he's so demoralised by his evening at Stamford Bridge that he, he, he doesn't want to come on and talk about it more fully, um, you've just got to deal with it, haven't you? It's it's the world we live in. Um, yeah, we're in a very funny place with the Premier League, aren't we, at the moment? Um, it, it feels a little bit March 2020-ish, uh, which was a a funny sort of um, funny sort of echoes of Everton coming to Stamford Bridge um, back then, albeit no Billy Gilmore and no no swashbuckling attacking performance. Really, um, we don't know if this will be the last game Chelsea play for a little while, um, just because of the way things are. But it, you know, maybe they maybe they could have done with. Um, the game getting called off, but equally the team that Chelsea put out was good enough to win that game. And, you know, looking at the Everton team, you'd have thought they had a COVID outbreak. They didn't. They just had a regular injury crisis and they were, they were every bit, well, more, more depleted because they've got less depth than Chelsea. And Chelsea still managed to, to, to really labor and eventually drop more points. And, and in the title race like this one, 
you know, when you're competing against teams as, as relentless as Manchester City and as explosive in attack as Liverpool, draws feel like defeats because they, they might actually be as damaging as defeats. Um, you, you, you'll probably need 95 to 100 points to win this league and Chelsea won't get there with results like this. Uh, my my big takeaway from, from the first half was just you can't play that well up to the box and go in at nil-nil. Um, you know, Reese James w- was in behind one on one, somehow missed. Mason Mount was in behind one on one. You can say it was a great uh, a great save from Jordan Pickford. I think it was also not the best finish. Um, and there were just more moments like that that we've seen too often from Chelsea, where they don't capitalise on their supremacy. And uh, I, I saw Thomas Tuchel saying afterwards. I don't know why we keep getting punished like this by <laughs> by other teams only chance of the game but you you know if you're not looking purely by the xg I want to look beyond the xg Matt on this occasion if you're actually watching the game you can see that as as it goes on Everton are given life because they've been allowed to survive for 60 minutes um and they and they suddenly had uh they they were suddenly emboldened by the thought that they could steal something from the game and they were proven right. Uh, well, Simon was at Stamford Bridge for The Athletic. He sent us this report on the full-time whistle. Oh dear, oh dear, oh dear. It's the final whistle gone. It's a taboo at Stamford Bridge. As Chelsea drop another two points at home, it's become a regular occurrence of late. And it's a similar story, not taking their chances and gifting the opposition a goal from one of their only chances. You can really feel the frustration here at Chelsea. Yes, there are players missing. The preparation wasn't ideal because of the COVID situation involving five players. There's no excuse. Everton were without at least seven of their first teamers. And what, you, what we're witnessing at the moment the difference between Chelsea and Man City and Liverpool is a team that is used to being able to grind out win after win after win and two teams that can and know what it takes to win a title you almost sort of sense that if there is a break in uh, football because of Covid it might actually do Chelsea the world of good because they're looking a shadow of the team that we saw just a few weeks ago destroy Leicester, destroy Juventus Fatigue is a factor, but they're just, once again, being paid, paying a price for their lack of ruthlessness in attack. We don't know whether the Wolves game is uh, going to be affected yet by all the COVID issues, but on this evidence, given that Wolves are a pretty hard side to break down, it's not going to be an easy game on Sunday either. Two players' questions to answer. The Chelsea fans are getting a bit frustrated. And as I say, the last few weeks is probably his most difficult period since he took over in January. Let's just see how good Tuchel really is. Meanwhile, Man City and Liverpool continue to uh, take advantage of what Chelsea aren't able to do. As Simon says there, Liam, Chelsea look at a shadow of the team they were a month or so ago. This is the biggest test of Thomas Tuchel's time because it's been all success up until this point. So it's going to be really interesting to see how he responds. Yeah, this is this this is proper adversity. 
you know, within a Chelsea context, you know, the, you, you've gone into this season with Premier League title expectations, genuine title expectations for the first time in a, in a few years at Chelsea. And, and this is the first point in the season where they look like they're falling short of that standard. And I think that obviously there are, you know, there are, there are reasons why Chelsea are not in their best rhythm. Injuries have disrupted things. I, th- I think actually, you know, the, the, the five-week absence for Lukaku has has hurt Chelsea's designs for this season um, more than we know right now, just because that is the adaptation process that will define this season, um, is how well Lukaku fits into this Chelsea attack and whether he's able to improve it. And that entire process has been put on hold and now been put on hold by the COVID protocols. Um so there, there have been plenty of circumstances that have sort of conspired against Chelsea. But the thing that would worry me a bit if I was Thomas Tuchel um, and, and would certainly worry a lot of Chelsea fans, I think, is that the the attack isn't necessarily getting better. Um, you know, Tuchel's been in charge for, for a while now. And while they have very good days in terms of the process of what they're doing, and I thought... You know, let, let let's not act like last night was an exercise in sort of sterile possession. Chelsea produced enough chances to win the game two or three times over in the first half, uh, so there was nothing wrong with their play up to the box. But this lack of ruthlessness has been a persistent problem, despite the group of players actually getting a bit of an overhaul over that time. Um, immense amounts of money being poured into this squad and one of the best coaches in the world working with these attacking players every single day on the training pitch. You have to wonder whether they finish like this in training because um, it, it, it's it, it's a bizarre thing. It's it, it's a bizarre thing that they don't have the... Re- they don't show the required composure often enough. And, you know, maybe it's just that Chelsea don't have the clinical personnel that that Liverpool do, that that maybe Manchester City do. But then you look at Manchester City and none of their players average more than sort of 10, 15 league goals a season. They just share them around. Chelsea could be that um, if if they finish better, but but they don't. And it opens the door to results like this one. Uh, yeah, you talk about those attacking players, Liam. I thought Mason Mount did pretty well again. I thought Hakim Ziyech looked like Ajax Hakim Ziyech in the first half and, the, and then totally faded. But not a good game for Christian Pulisic. He was, he was nominally the striker for a lot of it, and we didn't see much of him other than that kind of cheeky flicked effort in in the first half. And and Ruben Loftus Cheek, another one who's maybe not taken this chance that's been presented to him over the last few weeks. Yeah, Pulisic looked a little ill at ease to me as a false nine. Um, it's not a position he's played a ton of, at least not at Chelsea. And you could kind of see in the first half. And I, I also feel like every time I watch Pudisic these days, I don't know whether he's done something to offend Premier League defenders, but every single team Chelsea play seems to take great delight in fouling him over and over and over again. Um, it's the number 10 on his back, isn't it? It's it's just a target, essentially. Yeah, it's a red rag to to, to the bulls that are Premier League defenders. Um, he, he very rarely seems to get a second touch. It's one touch and then bang, he's on the floor. And that's quite worrying given how injury prone he's he's been. Um, so I, I felt like he, he, he was struggling to get into the game partly because of that, but partly because of the positional unfamiliarity. But I did still think he was helping Chelsea in the first half because um, he's such a willing runner and his... 
you know, his movement does ask constant questions of defenders. There was there was enough positional fluidity in what Chelsea were doing that it was causing Everton real problems. And of course, it was quite a makeshift Everton defence anyway, so they were making mistakes. I thought Chelsea were doing a good job of pulling them around and pulling them apart um, without punishing them on the score sheet. I think you're right in saying Mason Mount and Ziyech were both lively. Mount's finishing wasn't good enough in the first half. He could have had a hat-trick himself, and I'm sure he'd be the first one to say that because I know he holds himself to really high standards, particularly with his goal scoring. He wants to improve that part of his game. Ziyech had some really sexy touches. I'm sure there'll be some great social content for Chelsea's uh, Chelsea's social media team to put out with him um, from that first half. But he just feels like a bit, he's always felt like a bit of a feast or famine player. And as great as he was in the first half, he disappeared in the second um, when Chelsea were really trying to trying to chase and, 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 and eventually had to go and win the game again after the Everton equaliser. I also felt Pulisic wasn't helped by Tuchel's substitutions. The moment he was pushed to left wing back, he completely disappeared from the game. And I, I didn't, I I understood that Tuchel was in a difficult position of having Ross Barkley as the only attack-minded player on the bench, nominally, but bringing Saul on as as some kind of false nine was bizarre and it didn't work. And it was another indication that Saul is just a long way off Premier League level right now. No matter where you put him on a, on a pitch, he just doesn't look up to Chelsea standard at all. Um. And I, I actually felt Chelsea were quite lucky to score when they did because it was after the subs and they'd completely lost control of the game. It had become very stretched and they managed to punish... Everton allowed themselves to to maybe get a little bit caught out and Chelsea managed to score with a counter to a counter. But Chelsea never had control of the game from the moment the substitutions were made and, and, and it felt like in the last 15 minutes Everton might even win it. Um so I think that's a bit of a worry for Tuchel. As as difficult as a position he was put in with the substitutions and as, as difficult a position as Chelsea put him in by making the substitutions a factor by not taking their chances, I don't think he made the right decisions when the moment came. So that was Chelsea versus Everton. Did Rafael Benitez point at Simon Johnson in the press box and laugh at him after the character assassination on Monday's pod? I can't speak to this. Well, Chelsea are possibly back in action on Sunday when they head to the Midlands to take on Wolves. We'll look ahead to that next. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. 
COVID permitting, Chelsea head to Molyneux on Sunday to take on Wolverhampton Wanderers. Joining me now to talk all things old gold is the Athletics' chief wolf, Tim Spears. Uh, Tim, that was a big win at Brighton on Wednesday after after non in four and, and back to back defeats. Yeah, it, it was it was needed. They've got a horrible run of fixtures: um, Man City and Liverpool before Brighton, and now Chelsea, then Watford, then Man United and Arsenal after Brighton. So to go there with Brighton having ten players out, you know, a very depleted team, they hadn't won in ten. To go there and not win would have been a massive sort of missed opportunity. So I was really hoping they'd go there and attack the fixture and really and really go for a win. They didn't do that. Um, they got um, they got a goal just on the stroke of half time, and then they managed to see it through second half with what is a frankly ridiculous defence at the moment. They can defend in their sleep. Um, they had they had to survive. I don't know if you saw. 12 or 13 minutes of stoppage time, I think it was in the end. And Brighton didn't have a single chance, which is just incredible. That They are, I've not seen them defend so well in a very long time. So that's the main thing for Chelsea to sort of um, be wary of this weekend is just how hard Wolves are to beat at the moment. Uh, Brighton, like Everton and like Chelsea, COVID depleted. But you were saying before we started recording that that's not the case for Wolves and and that there's a strong chance that this fixture will go ahead. Or if it doesn't, it won't be because of uh, Wolves' COVID cases. Yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, the situation changes on a daily basis. But um, Wolves had a couple of cases recently, Pedence and Marcel, but they're both now back. And as of uh, Wednesday, the day of the Brighton game, um, they didn't have a single case in the whole squad, um, which obviously they're very pleased about. Um, I don't know if they're the only Premier League squad to be 100% vaccinated. Um, I think Leeds have got a good record as well, but they've been 100% vaccinated for a while now. They got them all done in the summer. Um, The fact the whole squad went together, it was a bit of a a, a team outing to the doctors um, (laughs) and they all got jabbed at the same time. Um, I think they're really, really really proud of of that. You know, the doctors um, have been very good with them and... It's, it's not that they had. It's not that they didn't make it a choice for the players, but they were just like, "Look, you've got to get vaccinated. This is the date we're doing it. Let's all go together and get it done." And um, and yeah, they did. So um, so uh, for, whether it's it's purely a coincidence that that they've got absolutely no cases at the moment and they're there and they're one hundred percent vaccinated, you know, you can you can draw your own conclusions. But but um, but hopefully um, they'll all be fit and ready for for Sunday. What an eminently sensible and logical approach from a football club towards COVID. Uh, anyway, moving swiftly on. Uh, the, the new manager who's coming at the start of this season, you having it large? <laughs> he's um, he's done pretty well, actually. He's done pretty well. Um, they started off the season with this sort of intense, very intense high line um, attacking. After four games, only Man City had had more shots. And anyone who's watched Wolves in the last few weeks will find that astonishing. But they were they were really trying to put that ball in the net at the start of the season. Um, but they just didn't do it. And I think what Bruno Lars realised was, if he was going to go so full throttle, which is what he really wants to do, he really wants a high line, you know, sort of the opposite to Nuno. If he's going to do that, it's got to yield a glut of goals. Otherwise, what's the point in sticking your defensive line on the halfway line? Uh, and playing very high-intensity, high high-pressing football if you're not going to get goals at the end of it. So he changed, you know, they're bottom of the league after after three games with three defeats. So he changed the style. He brought himself some time. He brought himself some points. Um, they're a little deeper. 
and it's yielded some really good results. And um, you know, people will have been surprised to see them so high on the table recently. You know, they, they were sixth recently for a little while. So um, he's got points on the board. He's got time to implement his vision now. Um, but yeah, essentially at this moment in time, it's the same formation as last season. It's mostly the same players as last season. Um, and it, and it, it's similar football to what we saw under Nuno. So, um, so they're defending very well. Yeah, they can defend in their sleep. Wolves have had a very good defensive record for a few years now, and that's still the case this season. But the last six games, it's been a real struggle. They've gone binary. Um, it's nil-nils and one-nils all over the place. Um, in the last seven games, and I, 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 you know, I want everyone to get excited about this match on Sunday, but but I, I, I can't I can't hide the facts and can't hide the truth that in the last seven games, Wolves have scored two and they've conceded four. Right, so there's not a lot of goals, not a lot of action there, and you know um, it's not been great to watch. Um, fans are desperate for them to attack. They've got, they've got, they've got Raúl Jiménez, they've got Adama Traoré, they've got Daniel Pedence, they've got Huang, they've got Neves pulling the strings, and they're just not scoring goals, and it's a massive source of constant frustration. On the flip side, um, the defensive effort has been phenomenal. They uh, they took Liverpool to the 95th minute. Almost the first team since Real Madrid in April to, to keep um, Liverpool from scoring. And then they lost 1-0 at Man City to a penalty, which wasn't a penalty, um, and they had 10 men. So uh, And then you know a few days later, City go and beat Leeds 7-0, who were nice and open and accommodating. And also, um, sorry, I know I'm going on a bit here, but it's hilarious that Pep Guardiola was saying, oh, Wolves, Wolves came here and didn't want to play. And then he was praising Leeds to the hill. Oh, they're a great team, amazing, wonderful football. I'm like, yeah, you kidding, mate? Um, so yeah, uh, Bruno sort of knows what he's doing, really. Intelligent guy, and it's not entertaining at the moment, but um, but they're defending brilliantly. Finally then, Tim, Wolves will fancy this, won't they? Chelsea in, in no sort of form over the last few weeks. Obviously, Wolves won this fixture last season. They'll think there's no reason why they can't do so again. Yeah, definitely. Like I said, they're not scoring goals, but 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 they have got the potential to. Um, they could have scored a blitz at Brighton the other night, uh, hit the post a couple of times. That, uh, Adama Traore has sort of remodelled his game a bit recently and, um, and starting to work more for the team and being a bit more unselfish and he's pressing more. You know, the, the, the pennies may... I say the pennies start to drop. Um, he's got 18 months left on his contract, so he's either playing for a new one or playing for a move. But um, but he's been great recently. That's something for Chelsea to be aware of. And Raul Jimenez is back from suspension. And yes, they beat Chelsea last season um, with, with most of the same squad. They'll remember that fondly. Probably the best win for Wolves last season. Um, Pedro Neto, who scored the winner uh, in injury time that day, is, is still not fit, unfortunately. He's been out since April with a broken kneecap. But as I mentioned earlier, you know, the list of attacking talents they've got on their day, they can beat anyone. And narrowly beaten by Liverpool, very narrowly beaten by Man City. Um, they, they, they can cope against the big boys. So with Chelsea in poor form and Wolves extremely hard to beat, you know, there's every chance that Wolves can, can get a result off Chelsea this weekend for sure. Well, I would say enjoy the game, but that would be disingenuous. So i just say have a nice weekend. Thanks, Tim. <laughs> Cheers. Read Tim's work only in The Athletic. Team news-wise for Chelsea, Liam, I mean, there's not much Thomas Tuchel can do, is there? He's, he's got the players that he's got. He's got, what, Chalabura and Kante, who could both come back in, although you'd be surprised if either started. But as we saw from, from who was on the bench last night, Two keepers, Saul and Barkley coming on. This is what Chelsea have got to go with at the moment. So those who, who underperformed against Everton are, are probably going to start again here. Yeah, and, and I, I remember Tuchel saying that um, 
Havertz wasn't technically in the COVID protocol. He was waiting on a test result. So we'll see if that comes back in Chelsea's favour. If that does, he would be a very welcome presence to have just as another attacking option. But in the main, it's going to be these same players, um, these same players that that fell short against Everton. And they're, they're going to need, they're going to face another low block because that's the way Wolves generally play. They're going to face another team that is probably even more capable than a depleted Everton were of catching them on the counter-attack and exploiting them if they overcommit. And they're going to have to learn to deal with it and they're going to have to find a way to win the game because this is this is the Premier League title race. You know, Teams don't allow for your, for your deficiencies and your absences. You don't get those. It's not, it's not a very, it's not a very forgiving place. So they're, they're going to need to find a way through. Um, the one positive I think is that Wolves have really struggled for goals this season. So maybe you're not quite so worried about, you know, continuing this strange streak of no clean sheets um, as you were. They're probably one of the better teams to play in that regard. But having said that, Chelsea have been conceding, as Tuchel says, with pretty much their only chance given up <laughs> in a lot of these games. Uh, so they are capable of conspiring to concede against Wolves as much as Everton. Well, all being well, that game will kick off at two o'clock on Sunday and we'll react to it in Monday's pod. Oh, Wasmus could be in here. It could be worse. And Wolfsburg have four and they surely have topped the group now. You know what? That was the most unrecognisable team performance I've seen from us in such a long time. And uh, I have to say congratulations to Wolfsburg. We do not deserve to progress. But I also have to say that these are the challenges in COVID times. You know, we lost two players to COVID a couple of days ago. And I think the stress, the anxiety, the worry within the team about COVID and having another Christmas without families was so evident in the performance. I'm not making excuses for it, but so important that you gotta be present to perform, even if, you know, in difficult moments. And I thought tonight we really, really, really struggled. Thursday was a bad night all round for Chelsea Football Club as the women's team were eliminated from the Champions League at the group stage. Last year's finalists were hammered 4-0 by Wolfsburg, meaning they're eliminated on the basis of the head-to-head record, despite amassing 11 points. The Athletics' Flo Lloyd-Hughes watched the game for us and sent this report. Well, that was strange. Um, I can't quite believe what I've just watched. Um, I mean, first of all, Chelsea came into this game with difficulties. It'd been a difficult period for them. That shot defeat to Reading, drawing with Juventus despite absolutely dominating that game. Um and all coming off the back of that huge, huge win at Wembley. And, and lots of people are kind of wondering what's gone wrong since then. Um, then yesterday it was revealed that Anne Katrin Berger and Drew Spence tested positive for COVID. So couldn't play in the game. And they certainly did miss Anne Katrin Berger. Having that stability at the back is really important. But all the mistakes that we saw Chelsea make in that first group game against Wolfsburg, where they drew three all, we saw them again today but there was just that I mean there was such a physicality 
and feistiness to the match from the very first minute, especially from Wolfsburg. They were really getting in the faces of the Chelsea players. Um, Shanice van der Sanden, who played about 50 minutes of the match or so, it seemed like her whole entire role for the match was just to stop Chelsea from doing anything. Um, you know, a lot of tactical fouls and anyone who watches women's football will know that it takes a lot to pick up a yellow card. It takes a lot to be sent off in women's football. The refs aren't particularly strict. So there was a lot of just breaking up play, stopping Chelsea getting any rhythm. Did hit the bar a couple of times, but yeah, they were just, when they lost the ball, they were absolutely carved open in transition. They were all over the place. Wolfsburg were just counter-attacking it at ease and also their finishing with the opportunities they got was just clinical. But it, it was just weird to see Chelsea collapse like that when we haven't seen them collapse like that in, well, since the Champions League final against Barcelona. But all in all, it's pretty rare to see them do what they did. It was it was similar to that game in Gothenburg. It was just a total and utter collapse and losing Madeleine Eriksson as well, just at the start of the second half. She picked up an injury. She needs to understand it and mention she was key to that, but it didn't look like it was intentional, but she sort of fell on to Eriksson's ankle when she was coming down for a header. And just before the end of the first half, Eriksson tried to play on in the second half and then eventually came off. Anik Nguyen came in. She hasn't started a lot of games this season. She's played in a, in a few, but hasn't had a lot, of, like a lot of football to then bed in. You know, the back three is still trying to find its feet. Jess Carter didn't have a great game. She hasn't had a great season. She was at fault for a lot of the goals that Chelsea conceded at Kings Meadow in this game against Wolfsburg, and and it was kind of more of the same tonight. And everyone looked exhausted, um, which they looked against Juventus and they looked against Reading as well. So I think this this incoming WSL break is coming at a crucial time. They've still got to play West Ham at the weekend and they're not out of the woods yet when it comes to COVID as well. I mean, we may see some more positives in the camp when they return. You know, fully expect that, that fixture to go ahead at the moment, but you just don't know with everything going on. Um, West Ham are a good team. They can cause cause you problems. So um, it's going to be interesting to see how they bounce back. But yeah, I'm I'm pretty shocked to be honest because I thought, you know, Chelsea needed just to not lose by two goals, and they were two 0 down within sort of half an hour, I think it was. So yeah, uh, a strange old evening. Uh, Flo Lloyd Hughes there, Leah Emma Hayes post-match saying she didn't recognise her players tonight, never seen a performance like that from them. She said COVID is real and when you're in a team environment, you know it spreads like wildfire. Uh, she also said that a lot of the players were ill after the game. It, it, it's it's a horrible thing for them to have to do to go out and play the game and it's a legitimate excuse. But, but since the FA Cup final, they failed to score against Juventus, they lost at Reading and now this... Obviously, COVID is the massive caveat here, but but it's some cup final hangover and they're going to have to get over it pretty quickly. Yeah, it's, it's hard to explain for a, for a squad that, you know, probably has even more of a talent advantage over most of its opponents than the Chelsea men's team do week to week um, for, for them to underachieve so badly, particularly in, a, in attack is... is yeah, it's it, it's hard to explain. I mean, I, I understand, if nothing else, I understand Emma Hayes' desire to protect her players because it's what all good managers do in difficult moments. 
and by the sounds of it if they if they were ill, Ill after the game there are real physical problems and and as Emma says you know real emotional problems associated with getting through a time like this but as long as the season doesn't stop you've got to, you've got to play the games and you've got to find a way to win the games and and we've we've seen in previous years okay they're out of the women's champions league now which is painful enough given that they kind of went into this year hoping that this would be the sort of redemption for last season's disappointment against Barcelona. They have to drop that and let that go now. But we've seen in previous years that the the standard in the WSL at the very top is unforgiving too. You can't afford too many results like the one they had against Reading if you want to actually win this league. So they have to, they have to get over it quickly, the physical problems, the emotional problems. They have to find a way through it unless we're about to get a, a sort of small circuit breaker break in, in women's football as well. well. We'll see whether circumstances help them help them out or not. But if they don't, they have to fight through it. Yeah, they've actually only got Sunday's game against West Ham and then there's a break until uh, the 9th of January for Chelsea when they'll be back in action against Spurs. Hopefully that will give them time to clear their heads. Uh, listen, no quiz this week because it's just me and Liam, but we've got something oh, very no. special planned for you next year. I know you're devastated, Liam. You'd been prepping Wolves all day. Oh, that sounds weird. I thought I might win this one. <laughs> we'll give it by default, as Homer Simpson once said, the two sweetest words in the English language. <laughs> default. Victory for Liam. <laughs> Chelsea pieces available to read on The Athletic now include Simon's piece on the issues Chelsea are having in attack and defence and why Romelu Lukaku could be key to solving them. Simon's also made the case for Conor Gallagher seeing out his season at Crystal Palace, whilst a selection of staff writers have shared their thoughts on the Champions League last 16 draw. Theathletic.com slash Chelsea pod, the place to go to sign up if you aren't currently a subscriber. That'll do it for today, though. Many thanks to all our guests for joining us. We'll speak to you again on Monday. From all of us here, though, it's bye for now. The Athletic. <laughs>